good evening. I'm Rick Dancer. And I know we're a little late, but that's just too bad. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my show and I can be late if I want to. It's my party. Uh, we have a great topic tonight and we were just having a little technical difficulty getting everything together. Uh, but we're all here now. And our sponsors tonight are, I've got to get my banner up here for my one client here. Oh, we love our Fairway Independent Mortgage Corporation right out of Helena, Montana. Greg Hinkle is a former Oregonian. Um, he's a mortgage lender and he can mortgage lend you in Oregon, Washington and Montana. He now lives in Montana, uh, but he loves what we do. He loves sponsoring things where we're talking about important issues. And tonight we are talking about a really important issue. Our other sponsor for tonight is Chris Dental Family Dentistry, Dr. Michael Bratlin, where he puts his money where his mouth is and takes care of the teeth in your mouth. But he is actually running for the 4J school board because he doesn't like the way things are going. So he's not a he's a very busy man, but he's doing it anyway and because he believes that's the right thing to do. So what are we talking about tonight? We're talking about Oregon, your future, not just the timber industry. Yes, it has to do with the timber industry, but this is about you and jobs in your state and what you can do to make sure that the forestry board is listening to your concerns, because this is going to have, I know it always sounds like, you know, especially uh, for people in Oregon, you know, oh, that the, the timber industry, there's going to be jobs, there's going to be loss of this, there's going to be loss of that, uh, more wildfires, that sort of thing. And some people can just go, well, but that doesn't really affect me. This is going to affect you and everybody else in the state of Oregon. Because when you put a logger out of work or you put a mill worker out of work, uh, then your schools have fewer children there because those people have to move somewhere where they can get a job. So you get teachers out of work. Then you have the grocery store, the convenience store, uh, the local car auto dealer, Costco, um, 7-Eleven, and it just goes down and down and down and down and down. So tonight we're gonna talk about this issue. I've got some experts on the issue and here's Jen Hammaker. Uh, from the ONRI, and she's one of the uh, oh, one of the fighters on this whole topic. And then we also have Jay Browning. Uh, he's a logger out of Astoria, owns a logging company. If his face looks somewhat familiar, he used to be on this little show called Axman, um, and he was uh, one of those people on that on that television show a long time ago. But now he's just a regular logger. I got to spend a couple days down there in Astoria, and a whole day with Jay talking about logging but also learned a lot about uh, the topic we're going to talk about, which Habitat Conservation Plan. Um, if you hear either of these people talking about the HCP, um, that's what they're talking about. So, Jen, start with you. So this is the Oregon Board of Forestry has proposed a reduction of harvest of timber. Talk, start with that so people can get a, a glimpse of where we're going here. Okay. So the HCP stands for Habitat Conservation Plan. Within a habitat conservation plan, there's habitat conservation areas and riparian conservation areas. Those areas are off limits to management. They're off limits to harvest. Uh, you cannot take a huckleberry off of those lands. This HCP uh, will shut down uh, over 50% of our state forests. Um, it will cripple our rural counties. Uh, it will also cripple the Oregon Department of Forestry. Um, they won't be able to make enough revenue to keep the lights on. Um, so that means that it's going to have to dip into the general fund of Oregon, uh, which it never has before because the Department of, or of uh, Forestry is unique in the way that it funds itself. Um, 
you know, you always hear the timber industry is paying more taxes, more taxes, more taxes, more taxes on, on harvest uh, revenue, right? So the reason why is because they keep on closing down our forests. So every stick of wood, every log that we log is worth more. So it we have to pay more taxes on it. Um, so, so Jay, you're, you're in, in the logging business down there in Astoria. Uh, we've got all kinds of uh, mill workers, got all kinds of people in your community what what does this do to you personally with the with jay browning logging the the odf timber sales are 90 percent of what we do and in Clapsa, they're talking about reducing the harvest by as much as 80 percent so we can't even afford to lose 10 percent there's uh there's a core group of loggers like myself that work on the state timber sales um, and we bid against each other and we bid to probably seven, eight, nine different timber companies for these timber sales. And, um, you know, the, the group that the state has is the, my competitors are good, good stewards of the land. They're, they're good business people. They employ people. They pay their people. Um, you have to move a lot of logs to make that happen. So, you know, the Browning Logging has been in business for 42 years. Um, I could almost say I'm probably one of the young guys that works at on the state forest. Uh, there's some companies that are third, fourth generation. And, you know, they've, they've counted on these timber sales for many, many years. But, um, you know, when you and I, when you and I were traveling out there around the, uh, the forest, the very forest you're talking about, uh, the timberland, um, you were showing me there's a lot of timber out there that is ready to harvest and a lot of timber being planted. And I think there's a misconception in Oregon that, um, you know, there's everything's clear cut and you don't even clear cut anymore. <laughs> no, we, we don't clear cut anymore. You know, since, oh, probably 50 years ago, they started uh, putting in the stream buffers, which most of us loggers all agreed that was a good thing to do. It was good for our watershed, good for our fish and, and, and the waters of the state. Um, the, the, Sometimes they get a little carried away anymore. Uh, they're leaving more and more wildlife areas, bigger areas, wider stream buffers. I'm doing a job here this summer that's got a 500-foot wide stream buffer with beautiful timber in it that should be harvested. Is and that over? Is that overkill, do you think? To, to me, it is because the creek that it's protecting is about two feet wide. So... <laughs> Is it 500 feet on both sides or just 500 feet? In no, total? It's probably about 250 on each side. Um, we looked at a job that actually might be wider, but they say there's fish in this creek and we're going to fly logs over the top of this creek. You know, and, and part of the thing about browning logging uh, is we've got equipment big enough to do this kind of work. Uh, we're not going to, you know, people say, well, maybe you guys could go thinning. No, we're not going thinning with the equipment that we have. And um, 
even basic tree farm work, the, the private tree farms, the investment tree farms. Um, you know, we do a little bit of work for uh, Hampton up in Big Creek, but um, you know, the, the state forest sales, that keeps browning logging going. Because there are timber companies, and Jan and Jay, either one of you can answer this. There are timber companies that have their own land, and they can use that. But most of the companies have to go with, it used to be federal. Can you use any federal timber now? There's very little harvest in our federal forests. In some areas, there's no harvest at all. Uh, when the decision on the spotted owl came down in the early 90s, they shut the federal forest down around many of these rural areas. And uh, anybody can do some research and see how it devastated those communities. Even today, they say they haven't been able to come back. Uh, you know, and, and you put the loggers out of work, you put the foresters out of work, you put, you know, management out of work, tree planters. Then the next thing you know, the local grocery store can't stay open. The local diner that counted on these families to come in. It it's, could be a chain reaction to some of our rural communities uh, that they'll never be the same. For no so, reason. So, Jen, okay, to go, that, that's what I want you to talk about, Jen, is because I think we heard this at the Spotted Owl. What I'm afraid is people are hearing this and going, yeah, yeah, because you know how we are as humans. We survived the spotted owls. I mean, and and people, you know, even though a lot of people didn't. Um, but what makes this this HCP so much more nerve wracking or so much more threatening? Do you think? My my daughter is 24 years old. If she had a baby right now, she would. Her great great grandkids would still be dealing with this HCP. This is a multi generational 70 year plan on land that has. Uh, We've, we've been managing it for uh, eons, uh, and it does not need this HCP on it, not this HCP on it. Right now, this HCP covers about 17 uh, what they call endangered species, listed species on the endangered species list. Um, four of those right off the top of the list should be delisted, but they're not going to. One of the reasons why they're not going to be delisted is because they're in high-risk fire zones. Well, when you put riparian buffers around coho, which are listed at, on the on the Endangered Species Act, which is what the HCP is protecting, um, the coho cannot be uh, delisted because they're in a high risk fire zone. Well, when you put a riparian buffer, which is what Jay is talking about, there's 500 feet on, uh, you know, there's a two foot stream, fish bearing stream, and you put 500 feet of non managed wood around it, kindling. It is in a fire. It it's in a fire zone, a high risk fire zone. So it perpetuates the same results. They're abusing the Endangered Species Act through the HCP. Well, what, what kind of blows me away too about this is, and I don't think a lot of people talk about this. I have a couple of times, but you know, the McKinsey fire when it burned, it was it was set aside as this, the federal land was set aside to protect the spotted owl. So they let it sit there, and then all the trees, you know, the dying and trees it needed to be cleaned up and needed to be managed. Um, weren't managed, and then they end up. So their their lack of management actually caused the fire, helped cause the fire, or at least when the fire started, there was no, nothing to put it out. So it actually their 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 plan destroyed spotted owl habitat. So my family owns Seneca Sawmill, 
Uh, we recently sold about a year and a half ago to Sierra Pacific Industries. When we owned Seneca was during the 2020 uh, Labor Day fires. The One of the uh, biggest con contributors to saving some of our timberland was clear cuts. Huh. It's, it was a barrier that the, that the, um, the you know, fire would stop. It stopped and it didn't come onto our land. So we had that time to get in there and try to prepare that land to, try to you know, make it more resilient and, um, you know, protect it. And that happened over and over again. You could see the, the exploding coming up over the hill, exploding. And then all of a sudden there's a clear cut and it just goes. Shoop. Yeah. And, so, and who's there to fight that fire? Loggers, yeah. people from ODF, people yep. that we're all going to lose the first responders to these fires. You, you know, I've fought fire. You don't get the feds involved until after so many days. But I remember I got a call one night at midnight. We've got a fire up here near your logging site. Nothing we did. And... I probably drove 100 miles an hour across the Megler Bridge and because this was in Washington. And um, I was in my excavator heading to where this fire was two hours after they called me. Wow. We finally saw regular firefighters three days later. So and, and, yeah, we had uh, some people from the DNR and uh, – uh, my logging crew and another logging crew. So, so Jay, tell me, this, I was reading an article about this and it said it's going to be devastating. And, and Jen, correct anything I say that's wrong, uh, mainly for the North Coast, or, uh, heavily on the North Coast in Clatsop, Columbia, Tillamook counties. Um, uh, what, why is that? Is that where most of the state land is? Yeah. yeah so if you, if, it, yes, most of it is. So it um, impacts you, so Clatsop is up north, and then you've got Columbia, you've got uh, Tillamook, Washington, uh, you, uh, down, you've got Coos, Douglas, Curry, uh, Benton, Lynn, Lane. All of these <clears throat> counties are going to be impacted. The biggest impacted counties are going to be uh, Columbia, Tillamook, Clatsop, and Douglas. So yep. those, and yes, and I think we forget about Douglas when that's where, isn't that where most of the timber in Oregon is produced? Uh private yeah so yeah, but okay. up, up it, so what i'm trying to what we're trying to say is here the oregon department of forestry has created an hcp that will close down half of oregon's state timberland it's all up in northern northwestern right. oregon so yeah. you know there's some over a little bit over in eastern oregon some down in southern oregon but but for the most part half of Clatsop county will be shut down half so what what is the rationale? I mean, are we seeing, do they, do, do they have, yeah, Jen's just ready to go. Do they have, no, you're fine. I love that. So do they have more proof that things aren't working right? That there's more, I mean, no. 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 So this is the thing. This is the crazy thing about this. Why put an HCP on this land? So they're, they're thinking that they're going to put an HCP on this land. It's called a take permit. So a take permit protects against lawsuit. If you accidentally take a spotted owl or kill a spotted owl or take some of its habitat or a coho or a red tree bull or a, whatever it is, um, it is a uh, it's basically a take permit. So it protects them from lawsuit, which so 
back up for a second. This state, Oregon in particular, has been held hostage year after year after decade after decade by environmental groups um, because any whisper of timber sale, any whisper of of any kind of bid, uh, they're on us like like you know stink on, on a- stink on poo. Right. Yeah. That's right. And so, and they throw us into court, right? They sue us over whatever. The last one that Seneca got sued over was up in Thurston area, which is part of the ONC lands. We bid it on a piece of property up there to uh, the harvest. Um, it was four years in the making for this thing. And then at the last minute, the environmental groups came up there and started protesting. And the reason why they were going to throw us into court was because they said, well, we don't like your fire mitigation plan. Um, they're, they're, you only put two two things of five gallon uh, off road diesel on there to run your machinery, and we know there's going to be more. So we're going to throw you into court. Well, what happens is they throw you into court, and you're in there for four years, five years, and that money gets sucked away. It's the same thing for the state. The environmental groups sue the state. They're sucking out all this money from from the state or from private or from whoever is land this is or who's going to harvest it, and it dries up your funds. So then pretty soon you have to walk away. You have to walk so, away. So Jay, aren't these the same people that are screaming for more affordable housing? And you showed me a log truck and one log truck full of these big, beautiful timbers, what you said would build a four bedroom home. And so for everything they shut down or slow down or this HCP, um, it's also there. So they're, you can't have it both ways. No, no. Um, the, um, Oh gosh, I lost my train of thought here. Oh, oh, can I can I pick it up real quick? Yeah. Oregon is the breadbasket of the United States of America for timber. We are the number one producer of lumber. We're the number one producer of plywood, and we're the number one producer of uh, cross laminated uh, lumber. Also, um, we are also the world's crown jewel for sustainability. Different countries: South Africa, New Zealand, e- uh, England, France. Uh, Norway, they send people, Ireland, they send people to Oregon specifically to learn how we manage our trees, how we, uh, how we do it sustainably. They don't have renewable resources. Okay. So over in France, they deal in aggregate and rock. They build everything out of aggregate and rock. So they want renewable, sustainable resources. Same with Ireland. They're an island and they don't, they have limited resources. They want to learn how to do this. They've come to Oregon. They've learned our ways, our secrets, and they've taken it back to their countries and they've made their countries more sustainable and more renewable for their infrastructure. We do that. So, so Jay, here's something you and I talked about. Um, you had said, <clears throat> what are they going to do? The same thing we're doing with energy now, start importing our timber from the, the countries that we're teaching how to do it sustainably. And we have more than they do. And we have this here. Talk to me a little bit about that. Your concern. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're, you know, now people are just beating their drum on building affordable housing and housing the homeless. And, and then you want to import timber from countries that don't do it anywhere near as clean as we do that don't have the regulations that don't, you know, protect, we protect the wildlife. These open cuts, harvest units, like I don't call them clear cuts anymore. They, um, you know, this is what the wildlife lives on. And, you know, there are some countries that, um, I think New Zealand has, you know, forest practices, uh, uh, Finland, places like that. But, you know, 
we're gonna we're gonna get lumber from Russia, or basically our enemy. Look how fuel's working out. Yeah, I was gonna say it's, there seems to be a trend in our current uh, uh, world. Yes, and, and um, you know, and and it's you know us loggers like myself and a lot of my competitors, we've invested. And gone into debt millions and millions of dollars on low carbon emission trucks and equipment. I I've replaced all my trucks with low carbon emission trucks. And you Today, just got two new ones. And and so these are trucks that how tell them how efficient these things are. Well, you know, they 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 burn way less uh, carbon or put less carbon out into the atmosphere. Um they're very complicated. And uh, in the year 2000, I could put a log truck on the road for $100,000. Okay. Those last two new trucks, they were $300,000 because. Is that, e is that each? Each. They're following government regulations on emissions. And, and you got a guy sitting in the White House that thinks, well, we got to cut that in half. We, you know, we're not going to use electric log trucks and equipment. Uh, today, I mean, some of this equipment that I use, when I started in business, I could buy a log loader for $110,000. I'm looking at a, a log loader now that's $730,000. And a lot of it is because... Uh, you got to pay for that technology. You got to pay for the development and um, and all the time that people have put in to figure out how to make these things work. Yeah, yeah. So just to piggyback on that carbon sequestration, the the Oregon as a whole, as an entire state, we sequester carbon. We actually carbon neutral. Um, uh, the as last a state, we are. Yeah. So as a state, we are carbon neutral. We only unless you have a forest fire, including right. forest fires. No, no, really? including forest fires. Yes. Okay. Right now, uh, so back in 2019, uh, the um, the CGG. Anyways, so back in 2019, a study was done. Uh, David Brock Smith, who is now a senator, can attest to this. Uh, they say that. 0.14, the DEQ came out with this, 0.14% of the world's emissions is emitted from Oregon. That did not include the forest sector. Okay? Okay. Sequester carbon. The, wow. the cement industry, uh, it contributes 8% of the world's emissions. The steel iron ore industry contributes 5% of the world's emissions. They are no, they're, they're not only not sustainable, they're not renewable. We have to dig them out of the ground, okay? Ours is, our, ours not only sequesters carbon for free, but it also captures it and locks it up um, forever. So all you, you build with I it. I love that. Right. So, so by having, the, so, the, exactly. so the timber industry and all the people working in it are actually part of the solution yes. and, and the environmental yes. community has made it out to why don't, why don't the environmental community <laughs> want to talk about this and, and change the, the narrative? Because it doesn't make sense. If you've got trees that store first sequester and then store carbon, then why would you not want more of that? And, 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 to, but it has to be managed properly. 
And when you have oh, a fire, you're, you're, that fire that, that destroyed in, you know, two years ago, um, I read an article and it was saying that as much carbon went into the air from that fire as from car pollution and industri industrial pollution in the state of Oregon. For a from, year. For a year, for an entire year. Yeah, every yeah. car, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, running, emitting emissions is exactly what that one million that one million acres burned up emitted. Yep. Unbelievable. Jay, we're, go ahead. Uh, we're fixing Portland's uh, problems. problems. Yep. Their gridlock with our forests. Yeah. And, and if you know, as the trees get older they they don't take in as much carbon and when we harvest and they plant and the the young trees are the carbon basket so is that true i've heard that and i've said it and i've had environmental people come after me and oh, it's I like see. so yeah. that so just like old just like us um i'm a little more productive than jay and jen is more productive than me <laughs> and so the older we get, the less productive we are. So you're better off to cut down trees. I mean, obviously leave some old growth and that kind of thing, but to really manage the it's trees and plant new ones. Yeah, there's um, a so, right. so half of when, when a log dries, half of the weight of that log or that wood is carbon. Really? Half the weight. Yes. And, and Douglas fir, absolutely 100%. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I hope my audience is liking this because I we are giving them so much cocktail conversation. You sit down over a beer and you can say, did you know? And honestly, I'm not kidding. That's what should, that's what really has to happen in Oregon and, yes. and all over the West. But that needs to happen is people, you need to take these facts and be able to argue this and debate it with people because the message that we've gotten for the last 40 years in Oregon is that this is bad. And it's not bad. It's part of harvesting and managing a forest. And it's now one of the possible answers to the climate change debate. And yet, why don't these, well, it's just like nuclear power. Why don't the, why don't the climate change people want to go to the cleanest energy source in the world, which is nuclear power? But, but, but if they really thought we were going to die in 10 years, wouldn't they be looking for any solution in the world and be going instead of wind, which isn't going to do it because there's a lot of hot air in Oregon, but there's not a lot of wind. And just like, you know, I mean, this is it's, it's insane. And we start, we need to start asking questions about this because you can't just take the, 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 the regular answer. Like I hear from young people, a lot of young people. No, that's bad. They still clear cut. They don't even clear cut. You no. dumbass. No. And as far as the old growth goes, if, ODF had a stand of old growth on Clatsop. It would never get cut. We're not going to cut it. They, they cut the old growth trees over 100 years ago. They, we've been logging for 200 years in this state and harvesting trees that built the world, not just this country, mm -hmm. and planting, like you say, billions of trees. We we lost 45 billion board feet of timber in the Tillamook burn, Mount St. Helens eruption, and the Columbus Day storm. They figure they planted over 2 billion trees in, after that devastation. You know, we lost a lot of habitat. 
we lost a lot of habitat when they built the city of Portland. It's 99,200 acres, and it once was an old-growth forest. And it did have probably some spotted owls living in it. And they came in, and they cut it. And now those are the people that, that want to change our lifestyles in Clatsop County, Tillamook County, all the other counties. They want to – the Jewel School – is going to lose $2 million. The superintendent isn't positive if they're going to even be able to fire up school because he doesn't know how he's going to budget the school. You know, and another thing I want to talk about this, you know, our industry and, uh, um, you know, the, the whole climate change thing and, and running clean. A lot of the mills that we sell logs to and people need to understand logs coming off the odf the state forest do not get shipped overseas those logs go to our mills our domestic mills we don't have near as many mills as we used to but the mills are more efficient mm -hmm. and the mills that we send logs to i think seneca was the company that started having their own cogen plants they take yeah. the waste and create steam and make their own electricity we might just be the cleanest industry in the state of oregon yes, we are. so so yeah and, and i'll throw it a sidebar and uh seneca took nothing but heat from the environmentalists when they did it probably because it didn't fit the narrative but um it's so just, there's so, a couple things that i want to say just real quick so the cogeneration plant uh so people that you're in your audience understand it and I know that you do, Rick, and you do, Jay, but they, they, you take your biomass, right? Your, your scraps, your, your sawdust, your bark, your whatever it is, and also the stuff that's from the forests, you feed it into your kiln. It makes this outrageous hot heat. Uh, it burns and it turns this turbine, right? And this yeah. turbine has these scratchy things inside of it that scratch and scratch and scratch the inside of that, that cylinder and it makes electricity. That electricity is then it produces enough electricity from just Seneca itself using biomass only that it can, uh, I think it's 14,000 homes that have been electrified. Um, and then also what happens with that, with that biomass, when it burns down, it turns into ash, it's organic ash. And they take that organic ash and give it back to the farmers and they till it back into the field. So it's a 100% green, everything. Okay. Well, and, and let me tag off of you. So I just toured when I was in Astoria, the Hampton uh, lumber mill, mm -hmm. at which according to Jay, what he information he gave me, they bought that thing and, and kept the town alive. But I'll tell you what, there is no waste there. So there, uh, there is no way it's not, this is not like the wigwam days where they burned off bark. Mm -hmm. They have a company. So, so they have a company that comes out to the mill and gets all the shit like rocks, bark, the very last of sawdust and all that, takes it away, sorts it, brings it back. The rock is used again by someone else. And then the bark is used to help make, they, they kiln dry all their lumber. So that, that fuels the boilers that I got to look inside, these huge boilers. They use that for that. Um, there is nothing that is waste. They have computers that will tell you how many two by fours, 12 foot long you can get out of this. This is not left up to human beings. These are state of the art, high tech, 
multi-million dollar facilities that the peace people have put the money into and the little HCP is going to threaten it because it's going to threaten all these people in these communities. So, so Jen, what do we do? You had you sent me earlier today a little game plan so people can figure out here to my audience just what you have to understand. You have to get involved. This is there's there's no room for apathy in Oregon anymore. No. In our country, um, if if you're going to take back this message, and they're not going to like it, they're not going to like that you're taking back the message. But we're trying to get to the truth. And we're trying to get away from the little narrative that says is driving their force because it doesn't make sense. If you really believe in the climate, then you should be allowing natural gas. If you really believe in the climate, then you should be allowing um, timber to be used, nuclear. You should, if you believe in in, in the climate and you really think we're going to die, you would want more trees to be planted like crazy. So, Jen, tell people some things that they could do. Okay. Well, first of all, I wanted to tell you a couple more uh, dinner topics. Oregon's old growth forests equal 30%. Okay. 30% of Oregon's forests are old growth or what they consider, what the enviros consider old growth forests. They will never be harvested or touched. 30% people. Did you hear that? 30%. So we have plenty of old growth timber. Yeah. Letting a log fall over and die in the woods to create bark and mulch. It also creates carbon. So we need a balance, the big B word, a balance to have some of that kind of land, but also to be, in Oregon, this is no different than wheat. It's a crop, except wheat doesn't sequester carbon, but trees are a crop. It's a crop in Oregon. It has been (laughs) for eons and that's how, and that's how you manage it well. Anyway, go ahead, Jen. I I get, I'm getting a little bit fired up about this. I know. Jay, did you want to say something real quick? Well, you know, uh, I've done some research on on our state parks. We have something like 420 state parks. Some of those do have some old growth timber in it. That's great. Leave it alone. Don't cut, don't cut it down. Let people enjoy it. Of course, most of it's dead and dying and could create forest fires. But, um, you know, we're not cutting old growth trees. Now, we just uh, finished logging a unit that actually was Big Creek Logging Company's last logging camp site. And they had a railroad grade. They had everything. They shut that down over 100 years ago. The trees that we've harvested off of there. They're only a hundred years old, but some of them were five foot diameter. And, you know, and if you want an affordable house, that tree went to Klatskenheim to the Stimson mill. And, and then we have logs going to Warrington, Willamina, but um, you know, I don't know how it gets any more affordable when the tree is 35, 40 miles from the mill, and we're going to ship tree lumber out of Russia. Yeah. And the tree that he's talking about with the five foot girth is, is, is just as much tall too. Right. So that tree could build a three, uh, three bedroom home. Oh yeah. There was, the tree was 180 feet tall, 200 feet tall. And some people would probably say, well, God, don't you feel guilty? No, I don't because it's a wood product that and it's going to be used here in the United States or well, it, what, what, what I would feel guiltier about 
personally well, is if you did not cut that tree down and you left another family without a home. Or yeah. if you if you if you start building houses out of steel two by fours and using steel production, which then throws all kinds our carbon footprint will be like bullshit because that you can't do that. So there's a lot of things to feel guilty about, but using wood products for me, that's not one of them because human beings right. come before some environmental dream. That's right. That, that doesn't even make sense. Uh, you so, know, I'm in the woods every day and um, I've given, I don't know how many testimonies I've written a ton of letters. Um, we have lawmakers that want to widen our stream buffers a half a mile on each side. It, it's crazy. I'm not going to say the guy's name, but he, he lives in New York. He could give a shit less what's going on out here in rural America. Ron Wyden. Yeah, I'm, I'll I'm say his name. His guy's Ron, Ron Wyden. Oh, you mean Ron Wyden? Yeah, <laughs> I've never Ron seen. I've never seen Ron Wyden out in the woods. I've been in the woods for 52 years. I've never bumped into him or any of the people giving testimony. It's like, does Ron Wyden just not like loggers? Maybe he got beat up by some loggers' daughter. Who it's knows? kind of like the Marvel Burlette. <laughs> yeah. And so what do, what do those species do to sustain our lives? Because when we don't do open harvest then the, our pollinators, they, there's no way for our pollinators to live under a full canopy forest. We're losing our bees. You know, um, we used to get stung all the time. We, I don't see the bees like I used to. Well, and I think people think that, 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 you know, when you have a forest and all the trees down in the forest, you know, they just look at that and they go, oh, it's natural. The deer and the elk go through here. Deer and elk are lazy. They're not going to go climbing over all those trees. They like clear cuts. They like land that goes into meadow. I mean, they take roads. <laughs> I mean, you see them in, in the snow in Montana, you see roads. They're not going off. And I mean, they will, but they're going to take the easiest route possible. So it's not leaving it like that is not natural. And I think that's where people get mixed up. So, Jen, we're running out of time. So yes, tell okay. me tell me some of the things that people that are coming up that people can get involved with. Okay. First of all, there's 40 million uh, seedlings planted in Oregon every single year. That is almost 10 seedlings per person that lives in Oregon, man, woman, and child. Huh. That's huge. Also, the IPCC, which is the Intergovernmental Panel of Climate Change, says that it's not enough to be planting and harvesting trees, we need to be using more wood products so that we sequester more carbon. Um, as far as the uh, strategy that we're coming up with, and Jay, um, I'm putting on a Zoom call next Monday. Um, I'll send you the information on it. This is our strategy uh, <clears throat> to derail the HCP, or at least to try to pivot it or prolong the process something. We can't survive with these harvest levels. It's gonna devastate so many things. There's going to be three mills that closed down, okay? Stimson, Hampton, and Ferrez already said in testimony that they're going to be closing down. They've been warning about it, and now they finally came out and said it. We need to stop this. So that, That'll that kill the Klaskenine community. And Vernonia and, and Elsie and... And the schools, you yeah. know, and, and the kids. You know, I, I've said it in testimony before. The kids in rural 
counties like Jewel and stuff, they need their schools. The school right. lunch and breakfast programs are the only meals they get some days. Right. Yeah, you know, we got to think more about stuff like that, the impact of, of these people losing their jobs. And I mean, it happened to friends of mine in Mill City. And, you know, they say, well, it's going to bring the spotted owls back. It never brought a single spotted owl. The only no. thing that picked up was suicides, uh, bankruptcies, drugs, homelessness. Exactly. And then, know? and then they they eventually they by by setting all that land apart, at least in the McKinsey Valley, you ended up destroying your policy. Ended up destroying the spotted owl habitat. So you you, you don't have a good track record. Right? There's not. So there's that. Why aren't we talking about that? Yeah. Why don't people? Why isn't anybody? Why isn't there a news story on that? Why aren't people discussing? That kind of facts, you know, those yeah. are the things. There's, so, two so, things that, there's two things that threaten the spotted owl, forest fire and the barred owl. It's not because yeah. of lack of critical habitat. Okay, so this is the, the strategy. So the strategy is number one, we are creating a petition, a petition that opposes the, the current habitat conservation plan that will shut down over 50% of the state forests for 70 years, which will impact rural communities in a devastating way for 70 years, okay? So we're gonna create that uh, petition, we're gonna blast it out in email, and we're gonna blast it out on social media. Uh, the second thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna cre create a campaign, a TV campaign, a radio campaign, there might be billboards, I don't know, and then a, a blast out on social media. These things will be explaining what the HCP does, the impacts of the HCP, the real facts and figures, and then also why it's bad why we don't need it and why the rest of the country looks as a, looks at us as a breadbasket, but also the rest of the world looks at us as the crown jewel of sustainability. Why are we trying to undermine that? Um, number two, we've already gotten proclamations from I think six or seven counties. We're still working on Columbia and Washington, but we're going to get those passed through the boards of commissioners so that we have proclamations opposing the HCP as is. We're also going to organize a huge turnout for the June 7th, the June 7th in Sisters, Oregon Board of Forestry meeting. It's the last Board of Forestry meeting that's going to be held with public comment, public testimony um, before they're going to actually vote to accept or pivot on this HCP. June 7th, be there okay. in Sisters, Oregon. It's a big deal. The more the merrier. So right now the environmentalists are pissed off. We showed up at a, at a March meeting in Corvallis for the Board of Forestry and I think I what four environmentalists showed up to I think there was 112 of ours of, of us guys and kids kids up there screaming saying I'm in natural resources I need to be able to I want to have a career in this and you're taking this away from me why would right. you so what what's happening is the environmentalists saw us show up in numbers so they're pissed and they're defensive and they've already started putting a campaign together to get people to the the, the June 7th. Board of Forestry meeting in Sisters, Oregon, and we need to either match those numbers or exceed those numbers. Okay. So, um, Jan, you know what would be super helpful? Somebody wrote this earlier when they were in their comments, is if you could get those little bullet points of those little fun facts about stuff like that and get some to me, I would love to have that. But so people have talking points. So they have things like, I would okay. put them out like on a weekly basis, put out a different point okay. saying, did you, did you know? That Oregon is blah, blah, blah. Just little things like that to put out there, get conversation going. And that was someone else's idea. But if you'd get those to me, I'll put them out. And yes. I think it'd be really good to just get people and uh, get the conversation going. 
Yes. I you guys, do. thank you so much for what you both are doing. Um, is there an Instagram page or something to push out there? Um, does ONR... Facebook, O-N-R-I, it stands for Oregon Natural Resource Industries. It's Onri. Uh, if you go on Facebook to Onri page, you'll, that's, it's a public page. You know what, Jen, what would be really good is I, we sit here and plan live on TV or well, whatever. Um, but if you put those out and then sent them to all of your members and people and like Jay and that and Jay, if they have pages, anybody else that has pages, they could throw that out there as well. For sure. Um, on a weekly basis, it would be really good to put things out and, and get that going. You guys, thank you for what you do. Um, Jay, thanks for spending the day with me. I've, I've got the story kind of put together and I'm going to, I'm going to get to get it all edited and then we'll, we'll uh, make you a superstar again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Matt Kendall just put up, Matt's one of my friends. He just put up the website uh, for, for your profile page for ONRI. Oh, um, good. So it's on there for people. If you guys can go right to that, that Facebook page and you can find out more information, or if you want to get involved in this thing, to help turn it around because it's going to take everybody to do this because yeah. they are powerful yeah. and they have a persuasive and they're, uh, they have the touchy feely. Well, they've, the, they've got the majority. Yeah. And so you've got to fight for these small communities and big communities. Cause I mean, honestly, this, this is going to impact everybody. And if you're in an IT job sitting in Portland and enough, well, nobody works in Portland anymore because they're all leaving. But if you were in a, a small uh, uh, business in Beaverton, you're going to feel it. Because um, it's, it's going to impact you. So it's not just loggers and, and mill workers. It's going to hit everybody. You guys, thank you so much. Tom Hunt, you wrapped it up. He says, thank you for the great conversation. Yeah, that's what we're all about. This is called getting real. We'll see what happens. Hopefully they won't call us. <laughs> all right. See you guys later. See you guys. You are so welcome, you guys. All right. And again, our show is sponsored by uh, Chris Dental Family Dentistry is one of our sponsors. And I'm gonna run this little ad because you'll see why we do what we do. This is the attitude of our sponsors. I really don't care what people think. And so uh, there's consequences. And maybe one day I'll say something that gets my license taken away or something because I've been anti-masks, anti-COVID vaccinations. And, um, um, but I, I just I want I want real science and I look at data and I look at data from the get go on stuff. And and uh, and so I'm just I'm not going to have I the worst thing they could ever do is just take away my license. And so be it. I'll do something else. I don't care. I'm not I'm not I'm not going to let people control my thought. And as a doctor, we should all sit there and question things. We should be allowed to question things. And so and I, sometimes I might be wrong, but. I have the, I should have the ability to question things and verbalize that. I love the line he says, sometimes I might be wrong, but I should have the, I should have the opportunity to question that. And we all should, you guys see my new sweatshirt. Compliance is a slow death. Don't ever give in. That's my new sweatshirt. And we have to be having conversations. And I want to hear from Democrats, too. I want everybody involved in the conversation. But for goodness sakes, it's, it's I mean, I, I know it's not my state anymore, but it's your state. And, and you can't just let people run it into the ground. Um, you've got to start taking charge. And it's, you know what? I, I, I know politics is one way things happen, but I just don't trust them anymore. Any politics. I think it's really you, the people. I believe the Constitution. We, the people of the United States of America. It doesn't say we, the Congress. It doesn't say we, the legislature. 
It doesn't say we, Governor Brown or Governor Kotek. It doesn't say we, Joe Biden or Donald Trump. It says we, the people. That's you and me. And here's the thing. They work for us. Those people work for us. And if you don't think that they're doing a good job, then you fire them. Okay? And we have to stand up for what we believe in, even if sometimes we're wrong. You know, there's misinformation and there's disinformation and culture doesn't understand the difference. Misinformation is if today, I yesterday, I thought that timber was, um, uh, I, I didn't know that it, I thought it was, let's, let, let me put it this way. Yesterday, I thought small trees um, were weaker than big trees and didn't sequester the, as much uh, carbon as a bigger tree. Today, I learned something different. So that's misinformation. I had misinformation on that. I was giving out misinformation. The disinformation is when you know it and you hide it. So we need to be able to admit when we make a mistake, but we also need to be able to call people out when they're telling a lie. I'm Rick Dancer. This is Get Real with Rick Dancer. We will be back on Tuesday next week. We're going to be talking more about timber with the Douglas Timber Operators. Uh, Matt did a Matt Hill did a series of uh, reports on the forest fires down in uh, Archie Creek. And we're going to be talking about that um, from a different perspective uh, as well. So got a whole bunch of stuff planned for you next week. Be sure and tune in. Um, have a great weekend. And uh, remember some of Jen's little things. She gave you some nuggets. You go to a cocktail party tomorrow night. Bring that up. I dare you. <laughs> yeah. Know your audience. Always know your audience. You don't want to bring that up if you're a Democratic fundraiser. Okay, I'm just telling you. I'm just, I'm, I'm a really bright guy and I'm just warning you, okay? But at least tantalize them with it. Just, just throw out a little thing. All right, see you later, guys. That was fun, huh?